Well, the college football season is, of course, entering a week three. Can't believe it, but it always flies by. And uh, we are thrilled to welcome on a, a friend of not just the show, but a personal friend, and that is Kevin Keatsman. If you are in the Kansas City area, then you know Kevin very well. Uh, with his podcast, Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, although you can get that show anywhere in the country. If you like what's happening um, in the Kansas City sports region, if you like what's happening in the news area as well, he covers it all at Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. He's joining us here on Heartland College Sports. I'm Pete Mundo. And, uh, of course, he was the highest billed, top billing sports radio show in Kansas City. And I can't forget that, Kevin. I know you're very proud of that, and you should be, man, because this industry has changed, and I don't think anybody will do what you did in this town when it comes to sports media. You are too kind, and you are a good friend. We have had libations and talked Villanova basketball together, so we definitely are good (laughs) friends. We've got that going. That seems like a long time ago, man. The podcast world is awesome, and and I'm certainly enjoying that, and I listen to uh, you on the radio every day, and I love Heartland College Sports and everything you're doing, and, and I'm just a huge, huge college fan. I'm, I'm always concerned about the future of college athletics. It's changing so fast, and I, you know, I don't want to be one of those get-off-my-lawn guys, but I'm not sure all this stuff is right that's going on. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't look like it's going to be right. We start to hear rumors like Live Golf, that the Saudis may want to come in someday and buy SEC football and take it over, or the NFL now. There are reports out there that the NFL is thinking about you know, replacing the NCAA and perhaps buying like 48 football teams and running that like a minor league sport. We don't know where this thing's going. I guess for this year, it's September. It's gorgeous. we got a great game coming up in Columbia this weekend. It's what I live for. I love college football. You know, you you brought a lot up there, Kevin, and I do want to get to, of course, uh, K-State Mizzou this weekend. But what you touched on right there, I mean, take a guy like Deion Sanders and what he's done at Colorado. It's an incredible story. It's good for the sport. Um, I think the transfer portal, frankly, has has kind of been better for parity in this sport than we talk about. I mean, look at some of the Alabama transfers who now are playing other parts of the country. And you got Alabama that looks, uh, I don't want to say like a mere mortal, but it's hurt the Alabamas of the world in some capacity. Do you like where this sport is at when it comes to the transfer portal and what it's done for maybe teams that could never touch a five-star guy but now can get them through transfers? I'm, I'm okay with the idea of transfers and transfer portals. I think there needs to be some regulation around it, some rules. I don't think you should be able to transfer within conferences. I, I still hate that idea. Mm-hmm. I, I hate, like, you know, you're sitting there with a team and then you're, oh, I'm going to go to my rival because I can play for them and beat you back or something like that. I, I think there should be some stipulations around those things. I, I think it's interesting to see somebody like Alabama that maybe doesn't really, you know, embrace it in the way that some programs do. Deion Sanders has said, we're not going to pay you to come here, but we're going to make you the richest players in college football after you're here if you're producing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a pretty good sales pitch. I mean, he's just out. I mean, we all know Dion's about the money, so he, he backs that up. You know, we're going to get you all the money you can possibly get if you come here and you're good and you're playing. I think this is, the, you know, the Alabama comparison for me, Pete, would be Kansas basketball. And they, they weren't very good with the transfer portal the first year. Mm-hmm. and they have just crushed it now. Bill Self was very smart and said, okay, I'm not doing it. That i got to do what everybody else is doing. I think at first Kansas thought, we're Kansas basketball. We don't need to pay these guys. We're going to be just fine. And then they're like, uh-oh, that doesn't work. I think Alabama maybe has found out with a couple of them. I don't think they really want to be in the transfer portal game. Alabama doesn't. Mm-hmm. But they're going to have to. And it's not like they don't have the money. They just think they're Alabama and they have Nick Saban and that's enough. 
And some of these programs, I think, are a little bit stunned right now, thinking, okay, well, we didn't have to do what, you know, Missouri or K-State has to do in football. they got to go pay these guys. We don't have to do that. I think they're finding out very quickly they do have to do that. I think Clemson is realizing that uh, as well. Yeah, so, sure. Kevin, what about, you know, when you look at the Big 12, you and I haven't spoken here the last few weeks since the four new teams were announced coming to the Big 12 next year. You've covered this conference uh, since the inception. You know this league as well as anybody. Do you like where it's going under Brett Yormark's direction, the 16 teams with the four corner schools coming in next year, or do you have some hesitations about it? No, I think it was the best case scenario, you know, as things turn out, because the schools have names and they're, you know, you can see what Yormark's doing. I mean, he's obviously a, you know, having the background in the NBA and understanding television contracts and things of that nature, he's looking at big markets. And when we look here in our area where I live in Kansas City, the the lucky schools are KU and K-State and Iowa State. They live in states that don't have big populations. They don't live in big population centers, although Kansas is pretty close to Kansas City. What he's doing is going around the country and he's picking off big TV markets. He's picking off Houston and Orlando and Cincinnati and Phoenix and Denver and Salt Lake City. And he's saying, look, I'm going to keep negotiating this conference over and over and over. And I've got some really good-sized television markets, so we're never going to be in a position where they can just say, oh, we can dismiss this league. You know, We're talking about the teams that do the best in those markets. Mm-hmm. Like Houston, in a lot of ways, Houston, they'll draw better than even Texas. You know, Texas is more of maybe a, a north-central Texas thing. Or an, it's a very strange dynamic, but he's getting the right schools that will get television ratings. And it's not necessarily the biggest name schools or the most national titles or the most tickets sold or the largest endowments, but – it's very well thought out the way they did this. I, I think it's, I think it's worked out very, very well so far. Yeah, and, and the key too. I mean, as you know, like the Big Ten thought that Rutgers was going to bring in the New York City TV market. It never has. It never will. But uh, Colorado is going to bring in the Denver market. Heck, Colorado and Nebraska was the first or second most watched game of the weekend. Can you believe what's going on out there? No, it's great, and and it's it's so good for now. I don't know how long Dion's going to be there. That's a whole other discussion yeah. we can have. You know, will he be there next year? That. Well, the Cowboys did win 41-0 the other night, but there were already people rumbling that Dion may be the Cowboys head coach <laughs> next year, that he was coaching so well at Colorado. But, you know, let, let's be honest. Dion, he's committed to his son, and he's committed to Colorado. If his son stays there, I think he's going to stay there and coach with him. But there's a transfer portal. So if somebody had a big offer for Dion at a bigger school and they say, well, we want you and your son to come play quarterback, do not count this out, that the both of them could just bolt and leave Boulder really, really quickly because they could do that. I I don't know well enough. I'm not close enough to it or anything like that. But that's the danger that we have in this sport now is that it's, it's basically unfettered free agency. We know the coaches have had that. They've had mm-hmm. free agency for years, and now the players have it. So if, if Dion's goal is to coach his son another year or two, and that's really one, what he wants to do, they could take that anywhere, couldn't they? Theoretically, yeah. they wouldn't have to stay at Colorado. No, 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 no. They could go wherever they want. Um, take me through, Kevin, you know, your Kansas State Wildcats, of course, for people that don't know, you are a graduate of Kansas State University. Uh, they won the Big 12 last year, incredible year under Chris Kleiman. He needed uh, something close to that to make the fan base feel like he was really the guy to take the reins from Bill Snyder. He's done it. Um, and you look at that one-two punch. Before I get to this Missouri game, Jerome Tang and Chris Kleiman. What is that like covering that one-two punch? Did you ever think you could have something like that in Manhattan, or are you still pinching yourself once in a while with these two guys? You know, I think there was a time when, when maybe K-State fans thought they were going to have that with Bill Snyder and Bob Huggins. I thought, wow, okay, yeah. we've got a couple of Hall of Famers here. But Huggins was only there 10 months. So that didn't work yeah. out very well. <laughs> you know, it kind of goes like that. 
I think Jerome Tang and Chris Kleiman are there for the long haul. I, I, now, listen, if the Duke job came open and they asked Jerome Tang to come coach him, maybe you know he, he'd have to in no way, shape, or form be able to stay and do something like that. But I, I think they're both good fits. I didn't like the Jerome Tang hire. I mean, I was, I was very outspoken. I said, look, he, he spent 19 years not even really getting interviewed and passed over. You don't just find a guy after 19 years as an assistant and find a really good head coach. That's just so rare. Then he hired his friends to be his assistant coaches who weren't working at places you've ever heard of, and they didn't have jobs that you really respected the resume. They came in and they did very, very well in the first year. So let me just tell you where I am. It looks great for Jerome Tang. Year one was awesome. But let's just see how it all works out long term. This is not as easy as they made it look in year one. Chris Kleiman's got a foundation. This guy's got four quarterbacks in the NFL. He's got another one on his roster this year that's going to wind up on a roster in the NFL somewhere next year. And he's got a true freshman that clearly is going to be a superstar player. They know it. Everybody knows it around the program. They can't hide it. They were going to redshirt him this year, but they've already decided he's the number two quarterback, and he'll be the starter next year. Kleiman's a smart guy. He runs a really good program. He's a defensive coach. They run an outstanding scheme that makes it difficult for quarterbacks to see exactly what they're doing play-to-play. But he's a defensive coach that's always gotten quarterbacks and developed them. And that's, that's a really good combination. He did it at North Dakota State, and he's doing it at K-State. And I really think that's the key to his success. And it's not luck. He's been doing it for you know over 10 years now between the two programs. I, I don't think there's any question he knows what he's doing. Yeah, um, absolutely. Now, this game, of course, against Missouri, last year they played in Manhattan. Uh, they're playing, of course, in Columbia this weekend. How, I mean, Missouri left, of course, for the SEC. No one's ever going to admit they made a mistake because they're cashing enormous checks on the backs of Georgia and Alabama and others. But, I mean, I got to imagine, I'm sure you know plenty of Mizzou people, Kevin. Does a part of them miss the old Big 12? I mean, playing KU, playing K-State. I'm sure if you got a Mizzou fan, you know, into a couple of drinks, they would admit that they've got to miss this regional stuff. Buddy, I don't need to give them a drink. Every single one of my friends is a Missouri fan wants to go back. Wow. They want to go back. And I know that there's at least one and maybe a couple of members of the board um, at Missouri that think that's a good idea, but it's not going to happen. They don't, they don't have the votes to do it. They love the money. They're drunk on the money. And good for the Missouri you know, foundation and the university and all that stuff. But this has not been good for the fans. There's been nothing good about this for the fans. There is no KUMU rivalry. You know, last week during the Illinois game in Lawrence, they were chanting FK State at the football wow. game. I mean, when I was growing up and around here most of my life, it was always Mizzou. KU wouldn't even acknowledge K-State as a rival. They're like, yeah, you're our little brother. We're n- you're not our rival. We hate Missouri. And now they're chanting FK State at football games. I mean, the whole thing has changed. These are, these are college kids that are doing that, obviously, not the 55-year-old alums sitting in the stands. But there isn't anybody really under the age of 25 right now that's a, a KU or an MU fan that even knows anything about the rivalry. They were never taught that by their parents. There were no games to watch. It's gone. It's toast. And it's been really bad for Missouri. For KU, they've got K-State. And K-State being a little bit better in basketball has probably been good for that. KU being better in football has been very good for that. And it's just a sad thing. Having grown up here in Kansas City, it's a sad thing to see the KUMU thing die like it has. So as for this game, um, Coach Drinkwitz, I don't know if you're buying or selling what he's doing there uh, in Columbia, but um, you know he's a guy that people have questions about. Uh, he made some interesting comments this week that people wonder what exactly he was going for there. I don't know if he was pretending to not remember the name of Colin Klein, but it was kind of a weird press conference moment. 
How how much do you buy into what he's doing at Mizzou and whether or not he can try to make that thing an SEC East contender? And I like a lot of the things he's doing. I think what Mizzou lacks is the consistency in all three phases and from game to game. Like, they didn't bring anything last week. Missouri just took the week off, and we see them do that. They, they weren't – they just – the effort wasn't there. I mean, you know, Burden was great. Cook had three touchdowns. They did a couple of nice things. Their defense is stout. They got some big boys up front. They got some speed in the back. There's a lot of good athletes on the defensive side of the ball. What Missouri signed on with, with Eli Drinkwitz, in my opinion, was let's go score 50 points a game. And he hasn't really delivered that. And it goes game to game. But I, as, I, as I get ready for this game, I think Missouri probably looked at their first two games and thought, okay, piece of cake, we got them. Let's go beat K-State. We're really mad about what happened last year in Manhattan. They wanted to end that game. I don't know how many people know this or not. Eli Drinkwitz, during those delays, was trying to call the game off and basically call it a, a forfeit, a push, a, a non-completed game, and it's over and we want to go home. That was like a seven- or eight-hour day. It was ridiculous, the rain delays and the, things, and the lightning and things that happened during that game last year. But they literally wanted to cancel the game and just call it a draw. And that, that's not lost on K-State either. They're like, what, what are you talking about? You're not getting out of here. We're kicking your ass. You're not leaving. And so <laughs> it was really a weird situation. So there's some weird dynamics to this game. That may have been what he was doing in the news conference. Like, I don't really remember who the coordinator was last year. We don't respect you that much. There may have been some of that gamesmanship. But for me, I am just about ready to bet my house that Missouri will play their tails off Saturday. They did this last year against Georgia. They were better than Georgia for 58 minutes. Mm -hmm. Now, if you've got enough defensive players, really good defensive players, to be better than Georgia in Columbia for 58 minutes, and I'm still scratching my head, how did Missouri lose that game because I can't figure it out, you're good enough to stop Kansas State. And I think this is going to be a lower-scoring game than people think. I think the Cats are going to struggle at times to move the ball. I think Missouri's defense is actually the strength of their team. And I think it's just going to be a whale of a, a lower-scoring game, maybe in the 20s by both teams. And I think Missouri will – you won't even recognize them for the first two weeks. They're going to play so hard, this game has been circled. And I think anybody at K-State that thinks this is going to be easy, they could get smoked if that's what they're thinking. Well, that's interesting. You know, I, and I, I wonder about that because the K-State offensive line, we thought and, – and it still could be one of the best in not just the Big 12 but the country, but – there were some moments last week against Troy when you're like, all right, why is the offensive line allowing guys in the backfield at this rate against Troy? So um, is, is that a concern, or is that just overblown in a guy, bunch of guys who knew they were going to route this team? Yeah, I don't think the O-line is, is necessarily a concern. Um, they've been fairly efficient. I thought they got a little bit of a lead in that game and thought it was going to be easy. They're up 14 yeah. nothing or whatever. I think they're thinking, okay, this is going to be 28 nothing at the half. This is a cakewalk. Here we go. And they got complacent. And Kansas State does something that must change. I mean, this is not even up for discussion anymore. They have to stop letting the fans leave the stadium. So people leave at like the five-minute mark of the second quarter, and they go out at halftime, and they drink beers. Halftime's 25 minutes long. And they don't come back till there's eight minutes left in the third, if they come back at all. Oh, okay? So those people are gone for close to an hour by the time it's all said and done. And it was thousands last week. So there goes Troy marching down the field with two and a half minutes to go. There's nobody there. There couldn't have been 25,000 people in the stands. Oh. The parking lots were full. I've been there. I know what this is all about. And there was no noise, no crowd noise, no feeling. And all of a sudden, Troy's like, what the hell's this? We can beat these guys. This is nothing. There's no crowd noise. There's nothing. And remarkably, with 50 seconds to go, Kansas State answered that touchdown right before the half, which was a great thing. I mean, it was a huge game changer. If they hadn't, I think it was a three-point or a four-point game at halftime, 
and who knows what would have happened in the second half. But K-State has to stop doing that at home. You cannot let your fans leave. you got to play the game no matter who you're playing. I think more than anything, especially when K-State's at home, they need that home field advantage. They're not – you know, we, we know this about K-State. They don't have Texas's players. They probably don't have Oklahoma's players. Mm-hmm. They've got some really good players, and they'll put some pros in the NFL, but they're an execution team. They, they're good on offense, good on defense, and good on special teams. They can't make mistakes. They've got to execute them. When they're playing at home, they have to have the crowd. And I, I just, I felt like that was a huge part of that game last week. Yeah, well, that's that's an excellent point. I didn't realize that, um, Kevin. When you look at, I, I, I want to just also get your thoughts as someone who's been in the Kansas City area, has covered everything going on in this region when it comes to a sports uh, perspective, especially. Missouri landed this five-star defensive lineman uh, a few weeks ago. His name is Williams. Nowerny, as I believe how you pronounce it. And, um, you know, he committed to Missouri over Oklahoma. A lot of people didn't see that coming. The high school talent in the Kansas City area is never going to be Dallas or Houston. Um, but is it is it underrated? Does it not get enough attention? And if so, why? I think it is underrated. You know, I turned on him. I'm trying to think who I was watching in week one. It was Stanford. Who did Stanford play in the first game? The, the – Doggone it! This is I'm, I'm terrible. I've watched so much football, Pete. I can't remember it all. Stanford had a kid make a remarkable catch, and in the corner of the end zone, and he was from Bishop Meage. Next thing I know, the other team's out there, and they go, "This kid from Lawrence, Kansas," which I consider to be the Kansas City area. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm watching a Pac-12 game here, and they're talking about Bishop Meage and a kid from Lawrence. So it's not just the ones that we see here at KUK State, Missouri, or the big ones that wind up somewhere else. Like, you know, I, I, there's there's just a lot of really really good players. I think what we're going to see is the best ones are going to take the money, and I think that's what happened with this young guy. I think Missouri outbid him because, hey, let's get a guy in our backyard instead of letting him go to Oklahoma and be in the conference. I think that's got to be an important thing for these local schools. These best, There's no reason for these best players in this area to go somewhere else. If these local schools are willing to pay the top dollar, you might as well do it, and I think that's what's going on now. Until they come up with some sort of regulation or restriction, I think the best players – in our area, have never had a better chance of going to the area schools. And do you see the KUs and the K-States ponying up like maybe Missouri is for kids like this, or do you think they're going to try to stay with the developmental program and then use the transfer portal? Well, you know, Kansas is, is kind of its own bird. I, I'm, they're obviously getting some players. They're getting better players, no question. All the money they're talking about raising and spending and the things that they're doing, mm. man, I can't think of anything I'd spend my money on right now more than football players. Yeah. You, know, you want to change the culture of the university and change an athletic department, they should be getting football players right and left. And I, I know they just spent $2 million on a guy to come play center for him in basketball this year that's going to be there for nine months. And he may wind up being national player of the year. But that's $2 million for a basketball program that's already preseason number one. The richer just getting richer. I think I'd be diverting those funds to football and trying to make sure whatever the status is of the game and where it's headed, if I'm Kansas, I want to make sure that Kansas football is part of that you still have to develop players. You know, the dangerous part in football is, you know, KU goes and gets a fifth-year, seven-foot center that they know has, is going to be an All-American caliber player, and they pay him $2 million bucks. They know what they have. You get an 18-year-old kid that's a defensive lineman, you don't know if he's going to be Felix and DK Ozama and wind up as a first-round pick for the Chiefs or if he's going to be a total bust. You mm-hmm. know, you blow a knee or you have to get a back injury or something like that, you don't know what you have. So it is just far more dangerous in football. You still have to develop your talent. So true. Kevin Keatsman, be sure to find his podcast. Kevin Keatsman has issues. He does a great job uh, covering everything from, you know, news, politics to, of course, his bread and butter as it has been throughout his entire career. And that is uh, the sports scene and also sports culture as well. 
Kevin, you're the man. Uh, really admire everything you're doing, man, and um, grateful to call you a friend. We appreciate you being here. Thank you, buddy. Who you got Saturday? I didn't hear you say who's winning. I I'm rolling K State, man. I there's I'm not going Mizzou in this one. I'm gonna say K. I like your I like your game in the 20s. By the way, though, I'm going uh, K State. Let's see, two 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 twenty three, Mizzou seventeen. How do you like that? You know what? I'll take it as long as the line's not over six. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a Kansas resident, by the way. Missouri residents can't talk like that. You know, they don't have that sports betting. There you go. We'll uh, get it soon enough. Let's get it done. Oh, uh, I agree, man. Hey, have a, a great rest of the week, Kevin. Thanks for being here, man. Thank you, Pete. Kevin Keatsman does outstanding work. Always great to have him on this show talking college football, Big 12, and of course, K-State, who has one of the biggest games this weekend in the conference. I'm Pete Mundo, heartlandcollegesports.com. Hey, before we head out, would you take out, I don't know, 15, 20 seconds and leave a five-star rating and hit that subscribe button on this show and send me a screenshot of your rating and review, if you can write something nice, to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. I'll hook you up with that free Heartland College Sports koozie. Appreciate you guys. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you soon at Heartland College Sports. Take care.